Welcome to Torah Mecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Orly Kanner, and it is my privilege to be learning Sefer Shemot with you. Our Parsha this week is Parsha Yitro. Let me begin with a quick overview of the Parsha. Moshe's father-in-law Yitro hears of the great miracles that Hashem performed for B'nai Yisrael, and he comes from Midian to join Moshe and B'nai Yisrael in the desert. He brings with him Moshe's wife and two sons. Yitro advises Moshe to appoint a hierarchy of magistrates and judges to assist him in governing and administering justice to the people. B'nai Yisrael camp opposite Har Sinai, Mount Sinai, where they are told that Hashem has chosen them to be his Mamlechet Kohanim Va'am Kadosh, his kingdom of priests and holy nation. The people respond by proclaiming all that Hashem has spoken, we shall do, Na'aseh. On the sixth day of the third month, Sivan, seven weeks after the Exodus, the entire nation of Israel assembles at the foot of Mount Sinai for the giving of the Torah, for Matan Torah. Hashem descends upon the mountain amid fire, thunder, lightning, billows of smoke, and the blast of the shofar, and summons Moshe to ascend to the mountain. Hashem then proclaims the Ten Commandments, commanding the people of Israel to, number one, believe in Hashem, Two, not to worship idols. Three, not to take God's name in vain. Four, to observe the Shabbat. Five, to honor their parents. Six, not to murder. Seven, not to commit adultery. Eight, not to steal. Nine, not to bear false witness. And ten, not to covet another's property. The people cry out to Moshe that the revelation is too intense for them to tolerate, begging him to receive the Torah from Hashem and convey it to them. Thus ends the Parsha. Being that this Parsha contains the Aseret HaDibrot, the Decalogue, Parsha Yichu is arguably one of the most important Parsha in the Torah. Yet it is named and begins with the story of Yichu. Why? We are told that Yichu heard and had been inspired by the great miracles performed by God. As I mentioned in the overview, he was so moved that he actually left his home in Midian, abandoned his gods and prior-held beliefs, and came to join the people of Israel. In absolute admiration and seemingly awe, he proclaims, Ata yadati ki gadol Hashem mikol ha-Elohim. I know now that Hashem is the greatest of all gods. Perhaps, for this reason alone, it would be appropriate to have his tale be the lead-off story to Ma'amad Harsinai. For if a non-Jew, who himself only heard of the great miracles performed by God for the Jewish people, could be so moved to commit himself to Torah, to Hashem, how much more so the Jewish people, who themselves had experienced and been the beneficiaries of Hashem's miracles. Yitro certainly seems to be motivated by the purest of intentions to join the people of Hashem. And after hearing from Moshe of even more incredible feats of God, including the devastating blows to Mitzrayim and the defeat of Amalek, we are told that Bayichad Yitro al-Kol HaTova asher asa Hashem Yisrael, that Yitro rejoiced after hearing all the good that Hashem had performed for Israel. Rashi, in expounding upon these words, first acknowledges the simple meaning of the word Vayichad as Vayismach, and Yitro rejoiced. But he then cites a second, rather disturbing interpretation. Na'asa b'saro chidudin chidudin meitzar al ibud mitzrayim. That deep down, Yitro trembled. His flesh prickled with fear, horrified and saddened by the destruction of Mitzrayim. Though Rashi, 
as he himself cites, could simply be understood as the natural tendency for an individual to harbor sentimental feelings, a kind of visceral connection to his past culture and homeland that could last for up to 10 generations. It seems that Rashi might be tapping into a deeper ambiguity that is transpiring within Yitro. The Vayichad, the rejoicing on one hand, and the Chidudin Chidudin, the fear on the other. After watching Moshe adjudicating cases all day, Yitro suggests a more tenable and sustainable justice system, which in effect would lessen Moshe's load while allocating the role of judge to many other individuals and courts. But what motivated Yitro's initiative? What prompted this suggestion? The Torah tells us that Yitro observed Moshe sitting in judgment with people standing all day long. Vayeshev Moshe lishpot et ha'am, vayamot ha'am al Moshe min ha'boker ad ha'aref. According to Yitro, according to Rashi, Yitro was bothered that Moshe was mezalzel bechvodan shal Yisrael. To the eyes of Yitro, Moshe was sitting and judging while the people were standing for hours, and this perturbed him. It was a zilzol in his eyes, a demeaning, a debasing of the kavod, the honor of the Jewish people. It seems that Yitro has a keen awareness, almost a hypersensitivity to the honor of the people, kavod habriot. And strangely, this is from someone who, as Rashi told us, had abandoned all the honor and comfort of his previous life to join B'nai Yisrael. Says Rashi, Shahaya Yoshev, here was a person, Yitro, who was used to kavod, having been a respected priest, an advisor to Paro and leader of his community, clearly aware and perhaps even smarting from abandoning his own worldly position and possessions for the sake of God. And here was Yitro bothered by his, that his son-in-law Moshe, couldn't see that the people's total dependence on his superior judgment and their dehumanizing waiting for hours just to hear his truth was stripping the people of their kavod. What is at stake in Yitro's eyes is the kavod of the people, man's feeling of self, of worthiness of being. The ambivalence of Yitro is the paradox of one who yearns to connect with greatness, but fears that in so doing, his own sense of worth is so grossly reduced. It is the equivocation of yearning to bask in the embrace of the omnipotent Hashem, encounter the infinite, hear words of God, of truth, of justice, while still yearning to maintain a sense of being, a sense of value and dignity. The ambiguity of Yitro lies at the very heart of what will again manifest itself at Mamad Har Sinai, when the souls of Bnei Yisrael will be magnetically drawn toward Hashem, desiring to connect to the sublime, the spiritual, the eternal, yearning to be enveloped by God's loving arms and perfect purity, and yet, on the other hand, recoiling from it in awe and fear of losing their very being, their identity. This complex equivocation of Yitro is the segue to Matan Torah, the desire to connect to God, to God's truth, while fearing the loss of human value, of independence, 
and the loss of creativity. Where in Matan Torah does this ambivalence manifest itself? Hashem warns Moshe again and again to tell the people and remind the people that they cannot ascend the mountain of Sinai when God descends upon it to speak to them. He demands that borders be set up to mark the boundaries, lest the Jewish people in their eagerness to hear more, see more, get closer to Hashem, will attempt to break through the bounds and approach further and up the mountain. Yet, ironically, when push comes to shove and the Jewish people stand at the foot of the mountain, cordoned off from being able to rush forward, something amazing happens. No one pushes to get closer. In fact, the opposite takes place. With each debor, the people retreat. They recoil thousands of feet backwards, 12 mil, as the Torah says, vayanu'u, vayamdu merachok. They sway back and forth, vacillating forward, then backwards. So much do they withdraw backwards that the angels, according to Rashi, have to come and bring them back. Thus the forward and backward motion, the vacillation, the dance of equivocation. Not only do they not push forward and storm the mountain, but after the second commandment, they beg Moshe to tell Hashem to stop as they fear they will die. Die? Why the fear? What is the fear? According to our rabbis, they have actually swooned and died and were actually revived after each commandment. So what is the death that they so fear? Perhaps that is the fear of the total eradication of their very being, of worthiness of existence, of kavod. For when confronting God, the perfect, omnipotent, and omniscient creator of the universe, man feels his worthlessness and is cognizant of his nothingness. That is the fear that entraps the people, and perhaps that is the mini-death that is experienced after each debor, after each commandment. A little piece of their sense of worthiness, of existence, their self-worth is destroyed. Their kavod has been nullified. This is the effect that an encounter with Hashem has upon man. And we see the same phenomenon later in Sefer Yeshayahu, when after Hashem first appears to Yeshaya, the Navi responds with the startling words, Oili kinid meiti, ki anochi, says Yeshaya, woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips, for my eyes have beheld Hashem, the King, Lord of hosts. Yes, and we saw this very same phenomenon with the very first revelation of Hashem to Moshe at the Sneh. After introducing himself and informing Moshe of his mission, Moshe's first words of response are, Mi anochi ki Rashi explains these two questions in a seemingly strange fashion. Rather than simply translate the words as the Rashbam does, who am I to speak to Paro and how am I going to take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim? Rashi explains that Moshe blurted out in awe, who am I and who are the Jewish people? 
Rashi astutely observes that when confronting the infinite, when Hashem engages man, the only emotion evoked in man is one of insignificance of being and unworthiness of existence. Therefore, Moshe's response is, I am nothing and the people are unworthy. Who am I and who are they to deserve your focus and involvement? Hashem preempts the question with the response embedded in the vision of the snare, where the fire burns but does not consume, symbolizing to Moshe that the fire of Hashem will be ignited within him but will not consume him. Whereas that is true of Moshe, with the rest of Klal Yisrael, a direct encounter with Hashem is too overpowering, too suffocating and even paralyzing. Faced with the awe and overwhelmed by the perfection of Hashem and perfection of spirituality, man feels consumed, unfit for life. It is for this reason that Hashem immediately at the snef foretells Moshe that as for the people, ta'avdun Elohim al-hahar hazeh, their encounter with Hashem will be through the learning and observance of Torah and mitzvot. Through Torah, they will encounter and embrace Hashem. The purpose of Mamad Har Sinai in the Revelation, as the Torah clearly states and as the Ramban contends, was to afford B'nai Yisrael the opportunity to momentarily see the voice of Hashem directly so that they will forever accept, appreciate, and believe in Moshe as their prophet. But in Sefer Devarim, Hashem cedes to their request is correct. In fact, he tells Moshe, Hetevu diberu, that all that B'nai Yisrael said, their insistence that they hear the rest of the debrut from Moshe was good and correct as their fears of eradication of their own covet are in place. For Hashem is most concerned with the chashivot, the worthiness, the kavod of his briot of man. In fact, Torah is what gives them value, worthiness of life. And through their acceptance of Torah, they are coronated with crowns, with adiot. Torah is our Eitz Chaim, a protection and assurance of an eternal, meaningful, and connected life. At Kabbalat Torah, the Jewish people accept the fire of Hashem through the conduit of Torah. Through Torah, they will see God, hear his voice, and connect to him. And as fire, the Torah will purify, hone, and elevate the people while bolstering their sense of value and inspiring their sense of self, of self-worth, independence, and creativity. The Parsha, describing the seminal event of Mamar Har Sinai, is named after Yitro and begins with the story of Yitro because he recognized from the moment he joined the Jewish people the critical nature of Kavod Habriot, which is the key to unlock the mysterious events that transpired at Har Sinai. Thank you for joining me in the OU Women's Parsha Initiative. I look forward to learning with you again next week.